Jeremiah chapter number 1 says in verse number 4, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Oh Lord God, behold, I don't even know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the who? There's more people than that. Declares who? The Lord. Go back to verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Somebody say knew you. I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Somebody say consecrated. And I appointed you a prophet to the nations. To the nations. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I keep on having this thought. This last summer, I had the opportunity to go to South Africa. And I had the, okay, Sugarfoot. Shout out to Cape Town. I went to New Zealand and South Africa this, this, this summer and, 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 and also in the, in the last couple months, Canada. And, and in Canada, I was, was about a thousand pastors in this meeting. And, and after I preached, they brought up this statesman pastor and, and they have a burden to reach Canada. Canada doesn't have churches like America. Canada doesn't have what we have in the United States. And these pastors were hungry that God would move in their nation. And so they brought up this older preacher and, and they sang a thousand pastors. They sang their national anthem together. And as they sang, the national anthem, the Canadian national anthem, is actually a prophetic message. And as they sang this song, a thousand pastors began to weep over the nation of Canada that God would do something in, in Canada. And they went on to South Africa. And South Africa, every session they kept saying, we're building a church to build a nation. And think about that thought. South Africa has been, been plagued with political corruption and poverty and so, much, so many uh, scandals and, and so many hardships. And they say, we're building a church so that we can not reach a nation but build a nation. And they kept having a burden for the nation, the nation, the nation. The na they go to New Zealand, and New, in New Zealand, every meeting they kept saying, we're going to reach New Zealand, we're going to reach New Zealand. And, and when I was in New Zealand, God began to talk to me and say, you know, the reason why I showed you Canada and South Africa and now New Zealand is somebody needs to start having a burden for America. Someone needs to start having a burden for the United States of America. Is there anybody here today that does not want to be the divided nations of America, but the United States of America? Come on, am I preaching to anybody today that believes that in our land, come on, from the north to the south and the east and the west, we need Jesus in America. God said, I, I, I appointed you, I knew you before you were born, and I consecrated before you were, you were ever born, and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I, I have been, been praying and asking God that what happens at Zoe Conference will not stay at the wheel turn, and they will not stay in Los Angeles, but it will actually ripple out and touch America. We need Jesus in America now more than ever. Come on, does anybody have a burden for your country? Does anybody have a heart for our nation? Does anybody, is anybody alarmed 
Is anybody scared of what you're looking at on the media, on the television, on Twitter? We need revival in our land. So Jeremiah, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart before you were created. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I want you to go and I want you to speak the word that I bring to you. Now the word of the Lord came to me and said, you're a prophet to the nations. But I said in return, God, you, you, you chose the wrong person. You have selected the wrong individual. Surely the person on my right or my left could be a candidate, but God, I'm, I'm just a youth. I'm, I'm too young. Anybody here, when God spoke a vision to you, you gave him reasons why you are inadequate and insufficient to fulfill the call of God that is on your life. The first thing Jeremiah says when God chooses him is, you got the wrong guy. You should choose somebody else that's from the right family, from the right lineage, someone that's more talented, someone that's more gifted, someone that's more God. You got the wrong person. And God says back to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I know who I've chosen. I've chosen you. I've set you apart. I didn't, I didn't get it twisted. I didn't, I didn't get confused. I chose you. I want to tell somebody today, God's hand is on your life. The word of the Lord has come to your life. God has vision. God has dream. God has calling because he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Come on, somebody get some faith today and just thank God. Although you don't feel the greatest, God's calling you to greatness. Although you don't feel worthy, God's calling you to worth. Come on, give him some praise today. If you're thankful, it's not by, by your might or by your strength or by your gifting. It's by the, come on, somebody thank him today if you're grateful for the call of God that's on your life. He said, I'm, 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 I'm just a youth. He says, don't, don't worry about that. I know how old you are. I know where you're from. I know you're gifting. I created you, and I want you to go with my word. Don't, don't go with your thoughts, and don't go with what you think. I'm sending you out as a spokesperson on my behalf. I'm sending you out with my stamp of approval. I'm sending you with my authority. This is what Jesus did when he sent them out, the 70. He sent them out two by two. And what did he say? He said, I want you to lay hands on the sick. I want you to know you have authority over demons. I'm sending you with my strength. Anybody thankful that at your workplace, in your city, at your church, whatever you're doing, anybody thankful you're not standing in your own power and in your own authority. You've been sent by heaven to tell somebody about the good news of Jesus Christ says, I, I know how old you are, and I know where you're from, and, and all of that. And I'm, I'm very well aware, but I'm, I'm sending you in my strength. I'm sending you in my power. I'm sending you with my stamp of approval. I want to preach a message today. You can write down the title if you'd like, if you're taking notes. It's called, Wor Words Shape Things. Words Shape Things. I want to convince you today about the power of your words. Words have so much power. Words hold so much weight. In fact, let me just show you a scripture in Proverbs. If you don't believe this, put up that next verse. Oh, I love this, Proverbs 18. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I'm here to convince you that words shape things, that your world, you are lying in the bed that you create with your words. Your life will never surpass your confession. 
And if you believe that God is for you and you believe that God is good and you believe that Jesus is alive, you ought to confess and declare the right thing and not the wrong thing. I want to get somebody out of negative confession. I want to convince somebody and pull somebody out of speaking death. Too many of us, you're speaking death over your circumstance, death over your situation, death over your city, death over our nation, death over your future. And I want to declare to somebody that you're about to enter into a season when you're to declare life, you're to declare liberty, you're to declare the promises and the truth and the authority of who God is. Come on, somebody get some faith today that we're going to walk out of here not only believing the right thing. Come on. Come on, Zoe. We're going to declare the right thing. Death and life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. There's so much power in your speech. There's so much power in your confession. So much power in your words. When God spoke over to Jeremiah, he was speaking life over him. He was speaking appointment over him. He was declaring destiny and identity and promise. He was declaring from heaven, I know you. I formed you. I shaped you. Come on, the the confidence that came into Jeremiah, the ability that came into Jeremiah. Why? Because God didn't say, you're a nobody. I don't know you. You're, you're, You're too young. No, God said, I know you. I'm for you. I'm with you. I've called you. I've appointed you. I'm going to be with you. Come on. If you receive God's word today, you can walk in identity. You can walk. Why? Because words, words shape things. Words have the ability to shape identity. Words shape culture. Words shape a household. Words, you know, you can actually talk over yourself and shape an identity of confidence, shape an identity of can do. You can talk over yourself, I'm called, I'm gifted, I'm graced, I'm anointed, I'm chosen. You can actually declare, you don't need anybody else to encourage you. You can encourage yourself in the Lord. Because words shape things. Words have the ability and the power What was formless is formed through confession, through words. I believe, so I speak. God believed in Jeremiah, so he spoke to Jeremiah. I believe in Zoe Church, so I declared to Zoe Church. Words shape things. Let's pray together and believe that God will come and encourage us today. Jesus, we are so overwhelmed by your grace. Thank you that you came to us and that you love us and that you chose us. We are asking on a day like today, will you open up our eyes so we can really see you and open up our ears so we can really hear you. Lord, we thank you in advance for all the amazing, wonderful things that will happen out of this conference. We are already saying yes and amen to those things that will come to fruition in your timeline. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. And we all said together, come on, let's put our hands together one more time. And thank God together. Come on, let's really thank God together. Amen. Um, By show of hands, have you ever said something that you regret? Some of y'all should put two hands in the air. Have you ever have you ever said something and immediately when it comes out your mouth, you're like, ah, (laughs) I want to get it back right now. (laughs) This is called marriage. Um, But um. It's the, it's the worst when, when you say, say something wrong, say something bad, 
have a negative confession. I don't like when I speak. Any, any, anybody want to be a positive person? Anybody, that's your desire. You, you ever get negative and you scare yourself? Am I preaching to anybody? Like, whenever I get negative, I'm like, oh, oh no, it's happening. <laughs> oh, no. It's usually when I'm hangry. Anybody ever get hangry before? Whenever I get hangry, I get mad negative. I'm just like, I need a snicker bar right now. Somebody give me a Kit Kat because I'm getting negative. I got a negative confession. I remember years ago, I was out in the golf course, and I was, I was playing with some pastors. This is years ago in Seattle. I'm from Seattle. Shout out to the Supersonics. And um, I was in Seattle. We were playing golf. And I was playing golf uh, with my pastor. His name's Judah Smith. And uh, anybody love Judah Smith? And so we were playing with another pastor, and it's an older gentleman. And Judah is much like myself in the terms of we are loud, emotional humans. We express ourselves. And so we're playing golf. So if we hit bad shots, we don't get quiet. We get loud. If we hit good shots, we don't get quiet. We get loud. Good or bad, it's loud, okay? So Judah had this amazing putt for birdie. Birdie, if you don't know nothing about golf, is a good thing. You want birdies. I've never had one, but I can imagine it. So he was about to have a birdie sensational feeling, which I hope to have one day. And so he was hitting his birdie putt, which was close, and he missed it. And when he missed the putt, I kind of, he's my boy, so I, I walked off a laugh like, ha-ha, you know, because that's what friends do, ha-ha. And so I started to walk away, and when I was walking away to the next hole, when I was walking away, a putter whizzed by my ear. Like, you ever hear something go by your ear, and you're like, whoa, that's way too close because I felt it. Like the putter come whizzing by my ear, and I, I went back. I was like, what? He's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so, I didn't mean it. I was like, you better not mean it. Like, what am I going to do anyways, right? Like, what am I going to do? But he, as we're walking the next hole, he picks up his putter, and he's talking to himself. And he's like, you are the worst golfer in the world. He always uses his middle name, Judah Elwood Smith. He's just, he's just walking around. You're the worst. I, you, you, you should quit tomorrow. You should quit today. He's walking around. And the pastor we were with got upset. And the pastor we were with walked up, and he's like, Judah, you really need to work on your confession. And I'm the little brother that's behind him going, Tell him, Pastor. And, and Judah, like, yeah, sir, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, yeah, confession, tell him more. You need to work on your confession. Judah's like, I'm so sorry, man, sir, I'm so sorry. And, and we couldn't believe he was mad about it, but it, it made me think. I thought about that story many times. This guy is so in tune with confession that even on the golf course, he's hearing negative talk and saying, you got to work on your confession. I wonder if there's a few people here today that you need to work on the confession and the way you talk to yourself and the way you talk to others, because if you started to confess, Confess the positive thing and the promise thing and the God thing, you would create a world that you want to live in, not a world you despise. So many of us despise the world we live in, and we actually created the world we live in. It's that negative. I remember a few years ago, I was preaching at this church, and, and, and the name of the ministry was, I won't say it because some people figured it out. And, 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 and so they, they, I know the name of the ministry, so they, it's a young adult ministry, so they said the name, and, and one of the pastors on staff said, yeah, you know, our name is this, but we actually call it, and used a sexual innuendo about how dirty the girls are that come to their young adult ministry. And when I looked at the pastor, I was like, say what? And he was like, yeah, that's what we call it. And I, I, I felt like the pastor on the golf course. I said, sir, don't ever refer to your ministry 
with a dirty name attached to it because you're shaping the identity of your ministry. Let me tell you how I talk to Zoe Church. Every Sunday, I shape the identity of our community. As the father of the house, I tell Zoe who it is. I say every Sunday, Zoe Church, you're a kind church. You're a generous church. You're a faith church. You're a serving church. You're an awesome church. You're a loving church. You're an accepting church. Anybody here today believe that words shape things? I want to convince you of it today. Words shape things. Words shape things. Look at somebody next to you. Tell them, just say, words shape things. Words have power in them. Remember that old saying growing up, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never what? What a lie. What a lie. Remember when I was growing up, one of my best friends in high school, he, he, he and I were, were, in fact, when I really got saved, saved, uh, me and him became best friends. And he told me this profound story about his interesting relation with his dad. And he said when he was 10 years old in the fourth grade, he's a bigger dude, and, and his dad walked, walked into his bedroom. He was watching TV, painted the whole picture for me. His dad walked in, and his, my boy was in his undies, kicking it, Dorito bag on his stomach, posted up chilling, watching TV, eating Doritos. Sounds awesome to me. Pops walks in the door, opens the door, walks in, and says to his son, good Lord, you are fat. My friend would tell me that that moment shaped his insecurity for years of his life. Because words shape things. Words have the ability to define identity. I tell you, for my boys, my two-year-old and my four-year-old, I look at them and I tell them who they are. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're so good-looking. You're so smart. You're so talented. Are they? <laughs> like, you know those parents that are like, just my kid's the best, but they ain't. I'm not going to be that dad. But, like, I, I, I protect the identity. We went yesterday, we, we, took, we took my four-year-old Winston Starts uh, TK on Monday. It's going to be an emotional day for me, I tell you. And, and so we went uh, yesterday for orientation, and we walked into the classroom yesterday, and we're just checking out his environment, trying to get him familiarized. And, and the teacher's in there, such a sweet teacher. Thank God. And, but I tell you, I was already ready. I was already thinking in my mind, if this teacher tried to speak any negativity over my son about any development issues that he he might have. I, I'm going to stand up. I'll tell you who my kid is. My kid is bright. My kid is awesome. My kid is smart. My kid is talented. Why? Because I'm not going to let no negativity come into my four-year-old's ear. I'm going to declare who, he's, who he is and who he's going to be. Somebody thank God. You have a father in heaven that declares in your ear not what you used to be, not your mistakes. Somebody give praise to the father who's in heaven saying you are righteous, you are chosen, you are called. You are anointed. Is there anybody grateful today that you have a father who's obsessed with you, who declares truth over your life? Everybody in your life wants to attach some label on you, wants to attach some mistake to you. You're this mistake. You're this season of your life. Remember that old song, I am whatever you say I am. If I wasn't, why would you say I am? Listen, 
Let's just get a God perspective. Who cares what your family says you are? Who cares what your old friend says that you are? Who cares what your past says you are? I'm listening to the sound of heaven, and I am who God says I am. So if God says I'm righteous, I am righteous. If God says I'm favored, I've got favor. If God says I'm blessed, I am blessed. Somebody praise God today. I'm not listening to what culture defines me as. I'm listening to the sound of heaven. I hear God shouting in my ear. The reason why the B-I-B-L-E is the book for me, I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. The reason why the book is so big, I don't care if you got a digital copy or a paper copy, the reason why that thing's so big is because God wants to shout so many things in your ear. He wants to declare so many things of who you are. Oh, I love Jeremiah. Now the word of the Lord came to me. Now the word of the Lord came to me. Now the word of the Lord came to me. Write down number one. God initiates. In other words, Jeremiah's like, man, I'm, I'm a teenager, man. I was just kicking it with my friends at in and out And God showed up. I want to tell you today, God initiated your relationship. You didn't find God. God wasn't lost. God found you. You were lost. Oh, I love that song that everybody's singing around the world. There's no shadow you won't light up. There's no mountain you won't climb up. Why? Because we serve the God that's relentless. We serve the God that when you are totally rebellious, totally against God, totally broken, totally addicted like that video from Ryan today, God will hunt you down and initiate relationship. Anybody thankful today that relationship with God, it's not your idea, it was God's idea. You didn't pursue him, he pursued you. Somebody thank him today. He initiates this thing. He initiates. Now the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came to Moses through a burning bush. The word of the Lord came through Gideon when he was afraid. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah when he was a youth. The word of the Lord came to David when he was a shepherd's boy. The word of the Lord came to Peter. The word of the Lord came to the fishermen. The word of the Lord came to the tax collectors. The word of the Lord came to Zacchaeus when he was up in a tree. The word of the Lord came to this girl that was fetching water from a, from a well. The word of the Lord came to a man named Legion with demons. The word of the Lord, I, I'm just thankful today that I didn't find God. He found me. He initiates. He finds me when I'm lost. I'm thankful that if I ever get into a wandering season where I, I get all off on, 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 on some dumb track, on some, some rebellious spirit, if I ever get away from God, I'm thankful God's not going to hide out in church and say, he'll come back. God's going to hunt me down. Excuse, excuse me, everybody. I got to go find Chad. We got to go. He's messing up right now. Listen, if anybody ever leaves church, don't you worry. Don't you be afraid. God always allows himself to leave 99 safe church folk to go find the one that is lost so he can bring a prodigal home and we can throw a dance party because I believe today it's not just souls to be saved. It's prodigals to come home. Well, one of the elders in our church, Pastor Dave, uh, he was telling me, uh, wonderful church in Vacaville, and uh, shout out to Vacaville, we're going there on the Hope Is Here tour, and, um, and, and, and he was telling me every week they have a Thursday night prayer meeting, and every week he prays for prodigals to come home. Never heard anybody say that. Every week we're believing that people that left church and left God are going to come back to church and come back to God. 
Can I just ask you a question? When people come back, do they look at you and say, you hurt me when I was gone? Because a life value is to always stay sweet with everybody. You never know when a prodigal's ready to return home. You never know when someone that's been dabbing in this, that, or the other, hurt, broken, wandering, is going to come back. We ought to be a church and a people. We're ready to receive. And we say, we've been praying for you. We've been waiting for this moment. We've been asking God to bring you back home. We're so, th somebody, get a, somebody get a robe and a ring. Somebody hire a DJ. We're going to turn all the way up. God initiates. Now the word of the Lord came to me. Now the word of the Lord came to me when I was lost. Anybody, you ever lose your Apple TV remote? Am I preaching to anybody's pain today? Two kids and a wife, I can hardly find that thing. Thank God I got the app on my phone. When I was lost, now the word of the Lord came to me, and what did he say? God began to say, I knew you before you were born. This is not a new relationship. In fact, write down number two. God knew you before you were born. <laughs> God knew you way back in the way back in the day. You ever meet somebody and, and they're an old family friend and they're trying to tell somebody, convince somebody of how long they've known you? Oh man, we've known Chad since he was just a, like God, God has the ultimate trump card. Before you were born, God knew you. In fact, God himself was knitting you together. He was molding you and shaping you. In fact, look here on the, on the screens. Look at this beautiful verse, Psalm 139. For you, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Come on, somebody clap and thank God. God was saying, I'm, I'm molding you. I'm shaping you. I'm, I'm intricately, I'm in every detail of your personality. Wasn't Julia's message so brilliant today? And, 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 and that strength, the, looking at the chromosome and the GGG, God said, I formed you. I, I made your personality. I, I, I made, made your body. Thank you, Jesus, for my legs. And, and God, God, God said, I, I formed every, every, for, every fashion of who you are. I'll never forget one time I was in high school and I was at the altar and it was when I was really starting to follow God and I was afraid that I would have to change everything about me for God to use me. And so I was standing at the altar and I was just like, I don't want to give up because like this is just who I am and I, want to, I just want to be a white guy that wants to be black so bad. <laughs> I want to change. I want to change. I do not want to change. Remember this guy came and laid hands on me and, and he said, I felt like God wanted to tell you that God's going to use you just the way he made you. God did not make you one way to use you another. Come on, somebody thank him today. Come on, he, he formed you and fashioned you to use your gifting and use who you are. He said, Jeremiah, 
Jeremiah, I, I knew you before you were born. In fact, I, 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 I appointed you. I anointed you. I went before you. I made your gifting. I made your per I want to encourage somebody. Don't try and be anybody else. We need you to be. You're a designer's original. We've never had another you. We'll never have another you. You are who you are by the grace of God. God put you together before you came out your mother's womb. God gave you everything you have. Your mind is brilliant. Your creativity is through the charts. Come on, somebody thank God today and just praise him. God, thank you for making me, me. I don't want to be anybody else. Somebody say amen. Like I'm all, all, listen, the more secure you get in who you are, the more you celebrate who others are. Insecurity is just exposing I'm not comfortable in my own skin. But the more you're like, man, God made me this way. I talk the way I talk. I see how I see. I act the way I act. I am who I am. Why? Because God made me this way. God shaped me this way. He says, Jeremiah, I knew you before you were born, and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. What's he saying? He's saying, Jeremiah, you're not going to be a self-promoter. You're not going to have to hand out your business card. You're not going to have to tell anybody on Instagram how awesome you are. You're not going to have to try and get in with people. I appoint and I anoint. Write down number three. God appoints and God anoints. I want to encourage somebody who's struggling in their season. I want to encourage somebody that's wondering if it's ever going to happen. I want to tell you today, this is God's specialty. God has this ability of anointing people and appointing people. God will anoint your lips and anoint your business and anoint your job and anoint you for the work, and then he'll appoint you to do the task that you're called to do. I, I just wish we could just pause for a moment and clap and thank God and just thank him. This is not our decision. This is not our striving. This is not our, this is just God being good to us because God appoints and God anoints you ever get frustrated and you're like how come so-and-so keeps getting elevated and I'm not getting elevated for whatever reason the Bible says promotion cometh not from the east nor the west promotion cometh from the Lord I'll just tell you today, God has a fast-forward button, and he knows when to use it. God can, in one moment, take you from the backside of the desert, from taking care of a few sheep, and in one moment, hit the fast-forward button, and you can go from a few sheep to overseeing a million people. That's King David. Because God has this ability, when you think you lost it all like Job, and all your money's gone and your health is gone and you've been through hell and back, got to hit a fast forward button and you get it back that fast and double, double that. Come on, everybody, thankful today. God appoints and God anoints. I, I'm, 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 I'm so at ease with my life. I don't have to strive and I don't have to earn because God won't just fight my battles. Please hear me. God will open the doors that need to be opened for you. To think that God doesn't know where he's taking your life. Now the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and said, I knew you before you were born. And I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I chose your career path. I chose where I'm taking your life. I'd rather live my life with God in control than me in control. I'd rather be on my God-given assignment than my self-given assignment. 
I'd rather be in the will of the Lord than in the will of self. He says, no, 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 I've chosen a, a path for you. You're going to be a prophet to the nations. I know you didn't ask for it. I know you didn't fast for it. I know you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But this is just what I want for you. You're a prophet to the nations. I, I, I just find such encouragement for this because I didn't choose L.A. God chose L.A. for me. I didn't choose to be a pastor. God chose for me to be a pastor. I didn't choose to be a preacher. God asked me to be a preacher. Somebody thank God today. You don't have to try and strive and try and earn and try and do this, that, God will appoint you for the God-given assignment that is on your life. Oh, I love this. Look at here. This is what Paul says. Paul says uh, to Timothy, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me. Why? Because he counted me faithful. He put me in to the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly. He, you hear what Paul's saying? Paul's saying, man, I was the worst of the worst. I was, I was killing Christians. I was a nobody. I didn't know no verses, but somehow, some way, God saw fit. He put me into the ministry. He put me into my occupation. He put me into this city. He appointed me into this church. He appointed me into this position. I'm thankful today. You don't have to strive. You don't have to earn. God will appoint you and God will anoint you. Just, I don't know about you, I find such rest in this truth. God will appoint you and God will anoint you. God will appoint you and God will anoint you. God will appoint you first and then he'll anoint you second. He'll say, this is what I want you to do. I don't care what your occupation is or your geography. God will appoint, he'll give you a, an assignment. He'll literally arrest your life and you will know I cannot do anything else with my life. I have to do what he's appointed me to do. I have to fulfill the call that's on my life. I, I feel a mandate. I feel arrested. I know he, I, it was not my idea. It's not what I want to do. If I, listen, if, can I be honest, y'all? I wanted to be a high school teacher and a basketball coach. I would have been good. Everybody on the line. Like I was ready. Wind spreads now. Go. And choose this. Never said, God, I want to preach. You, you, Sugarfoot's awesome. But when God appoints you, he equips you. Because he who called you is faithful. I appointed you, and now I'm anointing you to do this task. What is the anointing of God? The anointing is grace. It's easy. You have a grace for it. Some of you, you just have a grace for your, your business. You have a grace to create. You have a grace to do whatever God's, it's your God-given potential. In fact, when you do that thing, you feel the wind of heaven at your back. Because it's appointing and anointing. The word Lord came to Jeremiah and said, I've, I've appointed you because I knew you before you were born. And I love Jeremiah's response. Worship team, you can come join me. Jeremiah's like, oh, <laughs> no thanks, man. I'm good. Choose that girl, she looks like she loves you. you. You choose her or you choose him. But I'm, I'm a nobody. Write down number four today. It's the last thought I want to encourage you with. God can use your excuse. <laughs> I love this. 
this is just so good because God always, God always has an answer for your rebuttal. <laughs> God, God always has something to say back when you start complaining. Words shape things. Don't think that when you start talking, God gets mute. God knows how to talk back. God talked back to Job. God talked back to Jonah. God talked to David. God will talk to you. Anybody feel like God's talking to you here at Zoe Conference? You might be here going like, I don't want to serve you. I don't want to give that much. I don't want to. No, God's talking because not, God's not a mute God. He's a talking God. He's a vision God. He's a dream-giving God. <laughs> got to use your excuse. You got to use your excuse. Whatever excuse you have, got to use it. In fact, I just want to show you a list on the screen of people in the Bible that had excuses, had blemishes, had issues, and God still used them. In fact, watch here on the screen. Just look at this. Look, Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. God uses ugly people. <laughs> Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. That will never happen at Zoe Church in Jesus' name, I declare right now. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs, and Peter denied Christ. Anybody thankful today? Although you might have an excuse, you're still a candidate to be used by God. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter what you've touched. It doesn't matter what you've smoked. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your excuse. God will use that excuse, and he'll say, you know what? It's even greater. I'll get the glory, because everybody will look at you and say, I know you. I know what you've gone through. Only God can do, do something great through somebody like you. God can use your excuse. God can use your excuse. You can all stand to your feet. God can use your excuse because Jeremiah says, I'm too young. And, and God says, so what? It's what I love about you. I love that excuse. I love that inability. I love that insecurity. I love that issue because I know that when you go out as a prophet to the nations, everybody's going to say, only God can do that, not you. How about we rest in the ability and rest in the security that you and I don't have all the answers, that you and I don't know everything there is to be known, but all that God is asking for us to do is to respond to the word that's coming to you this weekend. Because I believe for every one of us, the word of the Lord came to you. Could have been last night, could have been this morning, could be right now. Now the word of the Lord came to me. And what did God say? I've been... I've been cooking something up from before you were ever born. I appointed you to do this one thing that I fashioned. Hear me today. Anybody can do what you do, but nobody can replace who you are. Nobody. Nobody can replace who you are. I'm saying I formed you, I fashioned you. I brought my word to you because I got a plan for you. I'm appointing you to things. I'm anointing you for things. And you bring me your excuses. You bring me your brokenness. You bring me your inadequacies and your insecurities and all of the issues. And for every excuse you have, I've got a reason to give back. I can use it. 
I'll glorify my name through it. It'll be proof that it's not in your power. It'll be proof it's not in your strength. I wonder what Jeremiah looked like. Because, you know, this is just Jeremiah chapter 1. But if you keep reading through Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a bad mamma jamma. Jeremiah started to prophesy things that not everybody wanted to hear. You know, it's in Jeremiah 29, 11 that we get one of the most famous portions of scriptures. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to what? Prosper you. Give you a hope and a what? Future. But it was all the way back here in Jeremiah 1 that God said, you go out and you don't say what you think, you say what I say. You walk in power, you walk in might, because I'm going to use you. I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to have my way in your life. Oh, I'm telling you, Jeremiah, for the rest of his life, he walked with confidence. He walked with power. He walked with authority. He walked in appointment. Why? Because God shaped his identity. God spoke over his life. Come on, is there anybody thankful at Zoe Conference? We are walking in the strength and the authority, not of what the devil says, not of what our family says, but of what God says. Our Father who art in heaven. Oh, come on, if you believe it today, lift your voice, lift your hands. Let's worship God. Let's praise his name.